Arch Madness. It begins here. It's the 2022 State Farm NBC Men's Basketball Tournament, March 3rd to March 6th, presented by Bally Sports Midwest. Visit archmadness.com for ticket information. Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 28 of the March to Arch podcast in this 2021-2022 Missouri Valley Conference season. Today's episode, we've got a good one. We're going to cover the games from this past weekend on February 19th and 20th. We have the banter. We're going to see where the conference is shaking out, where it stands. Leading into the last week of Missouri Valley Conference play, and we're going to have all the fun takes and talk along the way. But before we get into that, how are we doing today, Baker? We're doing good, Vance. We finally got our technical difficulties figured out on this on this podcast tonight. So I'm, I'm feeling really good about that. Just to give you a little behind <laughs> the scenes. It's been about, I don't know, 20 minutes now until we finally get things rolling. So um, we're doing the best we can. But no, uh, big day today out there, Vance. Daytona 500 day. And, uh, you know, I, what were your viewing uh, – viewing like for this race oh for this race you know huge nascar fan here um you know if i would just say if uh there weren't valley games on espn2 and espnu this past weekend probably wouldn't have known the daytona 500 was going on this weekend um so that was my viewing uh, uh plans um here baker sure hey you know what well i had a you know a vested interest just for fun and a couple of drivers who also got in a wreck in this uh in the Daytona 500, so not that much fun for me. But, uh, you know, hey, if you're a NASCAR fan out there, God bless you. Um, I, it's not for me, but uh, there's there's a ton of passionate fans out there. So, um, And I can I can see, you know, listening to the cars, and I'm sure being there is probably pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've been to a game. I, I kind of take the approach with NASCAR is I wanted to check it off my sports bucket list. So I went to Chicagoland. Um, man, it's probably been – handful if not uh you know eight eight years ago uh just to say i've been to a nascar race um uh, uh, you know what but once i got past the whole wow this is really loud and cool and fast um it was just a lot of uh, cars going in circles i just couldn't really get into it nothing against it it just hey um i'm glad i went i'm glad people are into it i think it's pretty cool and uh i'll kind of leave it at that yeah i think it's definitely on my bucket list as well but it, it's you know just because i i do think it would be fun uh, like you said, just something to be cool to experience, but, um, you know, there's there, not everything on your, I feel like when it comes to like a sports bucket list, like, do you have your own like sports bucket list fans? I do. Okay. I so like, do. what is like, what are like the top two things that like you haven't gone to that you, you definitely want to. Um, so mine is more of like, uh, I don't know what the, what the word I'm looking for. It's more of a, um, I guess basically I want to go to every away Missouri Valley Conference Arena and see okay. Southern Illinois play at each one of those places. So I'm pretty close to it. Um, I think I've got three left. Um, I got to I got to check one off this past weekend, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. Went to Indiana State, and we'll get into that here later on. But that was pretty high up there. Um, I was able to go to Augusta a couple of years ago, actually a couple of years before COVID. 
Um, so I've checked off kind of my number one, which was going to the Masters and um, seeing Augusta National. Um, so that was my number one. Um, I'd say what's left for me is uh, Jerry Dome, just going to AT&T Stadium. Oh, for I'm, sure. not, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but it's just one of those, like, I just want to go and see it. That, that would be pretty cool. Um, no, yeah, Augusta, I think – I feel like Augusta and people around our age, it's got to be on everybody's list. Just yep. to just to walk around and just kind of experience it once, um, I mean that's just got to be that had to been one of the coolest experiences. I was able to give uh, Tiger Woods a high five. I mean, I didn't wash my <laughs> hand for two weeks. So, um, what that, was that, what's the sandwich that they give away? Pimento cheeses, which is one of my all time favorite sandwiches before even going to the Masters. Wow! But um, so I'm a huge pimento cheese fan just in general. So that was definitely next level. I think. Interesting. By the way. Um, I can't imagine that could be good, but God bless you for it. Um, for me, like, I mean, for me, the Super Bowl is definitely up there. Like, I do want to go to one at some point in my life mm-hmm. just to say I went to the Super Bowl. Like, um, it'd be cool if it was the Panthers, but you know, not ever going to happen. Um, I will say if, um, the Colorado Rockies do make the World Series again in my lifetime, I will be there in person when they play their first game at Coors Field, um, in a World Series. I think that that's kind of, that's probably number one. But then, like, for me, it's not even necessarily sporting events. It's kind of more concerts. Yep. Like, for yeah. me, like, I haven't seen Bruce Springsteen yet. I still want to see him. And, like, like Elton John, who's not going to be doing concerts forever, and he's on my list. So, yep. um, so like, there's a couple hey, like that as well. I might stop you there. I've seen Bruce Springsteen, so I'm at the Enterprise Center. Um, or oh, Savis, you're the worst. Savis Center, technically, at the time. So, seeing Bruce. But, yeah, I think there is a pivot when you get to a certain age of, like it becomes concerts. Um, I, I've been to some pretty cool concerts um, along the way. And yeah, Bruce was up there. I'm a big Mumford and Sons uh, fan. My wife got me into them. So that was pretty cool. And I've uh, been to a couple of theirs, Lumineers, that type thing. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you uh, with some of those bucket list, um, you know, concerts, sporting events. Uh, they all, there's a bunch of them out there. Yeah, no, for sure. I think, and the one I knocked off uh, the most recent, I guess it's been a few years now, Paul McCartney was one of my, one of my bucket list uh, concerts to go see, and I got to see him live, and it was, I mean, it's as Wait, good as it. It was as good see, as you. Did you see him in Chicago at the United Center? No. Oh, I was gonna say because I went before we would have been friends, and I was like, <laughs> "Oh, were we, we at we the same concert?" Same? <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Were we at the same concert?" <laughs> yeah, you know what's crazy is uh, you saying that, and and uh, first off, before we before we move on, because I got a tangent on this one, Paul McCartney's concert was awesome, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it lends you to think that the whole rumors of, you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's an actor or like Paul McCartney died a long time ago and it's just, you know, someone um, impersonating. Like, it makes you think that because like a person of that age should not be moving and singing and, you know, just entertaining at that level at that age. I'm excited he is. But, um, it, you know, it kind of like, yeah, OK, these uh, these uh, uh, conspiracy theories kind of make sense. You, you know what? I don't think I've ever been to a concert where someone has had more fun on stage Correct. like genuine fun watching him yep. sing and like you know and the thing was you know he's come out with new songs and stuff but like he knew what people were there for oh he yeah. was the people were there to hear the beatles songs and so like he he knew what his audience wanted he was going to throw in a few things there and i mean it felt like when he was done and and i don't know if you got the same vibe it felt like he could he would have wanted to go longer but i just think yeah i knew hey we got called a day but um no, Paul McCartney, definitely one of the uh, one of those bucket lists. But like for me, Elton John, Garth Brooks, a couple of them left for me. Bruce Springsteen, number one. But you said about if we were there together at the same thing, which we weren't on that concert. But isn't it crazy to think that like 
there's like random, you know, SIU, ISU games here or there in the past. Like before we knew each other, we were probably a lot of a handful of games that we didn't even know each other at. Oh, couldn't agree more. And then I even think of like Arch Madnesses that you went to. Like, let's just say back, like when I was younger, Vance, I was a lot of times, I was seeking out Illinois State fans to chirp. And so, you know, like, I like to think that maybe I've chirped you in the past, you know, just at Arch Madness or something, <laughs> rocking on the, you know, walking around the concourse, sure. Illinois State went home and, you know, Southern just maybe moved on to the semis. And I'm just, I'm just looking for red in the sea of people to, you know, just, just throw a couple of chirps out. Um, you know, so I like to think that along the way that, you know, we've, we've had our bouts and we just didn't know it. You know what? And I'm probably right. Number one, but number two, one of the times I know we were probably in the same building together was actually at an arch madness. It was one of the most, like, I don't know if it was not stressful, but like it just high intensity games. It was Missouri state when they upset you, I guess they were Southwest Missouri state at the time. They upset you guys in the semifinals. Uh, this is, I have a this great was, story about this. this. Was, so I think going. they beat you by like four, yep. uh, if I remember correctly. And that game was awesome. Uh, what? And I know for you it wasn't. But, like, I don't know if you remember, like, that game was intense and awesome. Um, I mean, it's been, a, it's been a couple of years, right, on that one. It was um, like 15 years ago, Vance. Yeah, I was going to say. It's been it's, making sure we're thinking of the same one because I was thinking of that one as well because I, I distinctly remember getting chirped by a Missouri State fan. So 15 years ago, doing some math, I'm like late high school-ish age. <laughs> Maybe I might be in college. No, it had been late high school. You anyway. had to be in high school here. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I just remember I got chirped so hard, and it was just like one of those educational chirps um, that uh, on the way out, this Missouri State fan just kept saying, doggone, I can't believe uh, we won that game. And he was just behind me saying doggone the whole time. And I finally put two and two together. And he was like basically making fun of us, like for the dogs, like dogs are gone. And I just remember <laughs> being like so mad that I couldn't think quickly enough to say like, yeah, but you were barely there. Like, I remember, you know how like days after you're like, I, I wish I would have reacted a different way, like a sure. smart comeback. And I think I probably just went off on him if I had to guess. Um, but I just like a couple of days later, I'm like, why did I not think to say you were barely there? But yeah. like, this is still living rent free in my brain that this guy I could probably pick out of a lineup right now. And I was like, man, he was really good at, at that one. And I was just, I mean, I'm walking out the concourse and just this guy is, you know, a couple of sheets to the wind, probably had a couple $12, you know, Bud Lights at uh, the old uh, Savas Center. And it was just kept saying doggone to every SIU fan he came across. You oh. may have you may have <laughs> covered a hidden gem that people are gonna be using on you if they see you after the after the if and when the Slickies <laughs> go home in St. Louis this year. Um, just to, just to just to go back, I actually found the game because I know exactly I remember it was a four point game. Missouri State won 65-61. And uh, the Southern Illinois team in this game was freaking loaded. Like, I don't know if you remember, like, this is Darren Brooks, Jamal Tatum together. Yeah. I um, mean, this was the year you got, and I, if you remember this correctly, you guys got a seven seed in the NCAA tournament, beat St. Mary's, and then lost to Oklahoma State. You guys were criminally underseeded in that yes. NCAA tournament. Yep. Um, yep. And you and I, if I remember right, yeah, and it looks like it was a close game. I'm pretty sure you guys took Oklahoma State to, I mean, it was a tight I, I, game, especially almost all the way to the end. And Oklahoma State was one of the best teams in the country that year. Yeah, yeah, criminally understated. I think that I remember that year because you were but, like top uh, twenty-five all year. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, that was, and then they put kind of two mid-majors together with us Saint and Saint Mary's. Mary's. Yeah, yep. 
So it's and that St. Like, Mary's team was good, by the way. Yeah, it's like you know, there's always that conspiracy theories that you know NCAA teams or NCAA tries to get mid majors out quickly. Well, I mean, look at you last know. year with Loyola. I mean, they were what an eight seed, and the true seed was between like a three to through a five. <laughs> I, I mean, and like, the, and that was the thing. Like, yeah, you screwed over, you screwed over Loyola by underseeding them, but who they really screwed over last year, if we're being honest, was Illinois. Yeah, like I Illinois know. should not have had to play a team that good in the second round. Let's call space. Yep. Uh, glad but. they did, Baker, and that's well documented on this podcast and uh, in our <laughs> always will groups, be. But yeah, well, thank you for bringing up a trigger point for a trigger story for me. As soon as you said Arch Madness, Missouri State, SIU, I went right to that doggone moment, and I just, I, I just brought back some feelings that I uh, had had forgotten about. Don't forget about this Valley fan. <laughs> hey, uh, kind of in some college basketball ranks, it just happened. Uh, earlier today so as we mentioned we're recording sunday night february 20th um had a little kerfuffle in the old power five and specifically the big 10 um juan uh howard um you know uh, took a shot at a coach uh kind of i don't know if you want to recap it here real quick or kind of get some thoughts i know we don't like talking uh power five and i'm not gonna lie baker when i said uh, Juwan, I almost said Juwan Newton instead of Juwan Hired. That's where my head goes when I think of college right. basketball. But, um, yeah, maybe take it away, get your thoughts, and I'll react too. Well, it was actually interesting. My dad was uh, – I just left the gym, and my dad had actually um, called me about this and because mm-hmm. I hadn't seen it right away. Uh, he was actually – he was filling the water tank, and he called me out from out there. He's like, hey, you know, I wondered if John saw what happened. And I was like, okay. So I talked to my dad for a little bit about it from – from what I understand, and I didn't watch the game live, I only saw the clips, but what had happened was very late in the game, uh, Wisconsin called a timeout, which a lot of coaches will do is kind of like a, you know, kind of a shot at the other team that you're about ready to beat. Um, called a timeout, and Jawan Howard didn't like it. When he was going through the line, Jawan Howard made mention that he was not going to forget it. What it looked like to me was the Wisconsin coach was trying to stop Jawan Howard from moving to exp- Jawan mm-hmm. Howard didn't want to talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. And then kind of things blew up from there. And eventually some other assistant coach, uh, Jawan Howard took a swing at him and kind of a slap. I, I, it wasn't really a punch. It was more of like a slap hand smack at another mm-hmm. coach. Um, some of the other players were throwing. I, it was kind of a mess after that. But um, do I have it correct on that? I think it's pretty fair. And I think we can, we can dive into it a little bit. I think just the gist of it is correct. Uh, upset that a uh, late timeout was taken. Um, I think the uh, Wisconsin coach was going to explain himself. Juwan was just like, hey, I want to get the heck out of here. Um, and then cooler heads did not prevail. And um, I like uh, Juwan Howard. I mean, I, I, I truly do. I'm not taking a side because you should never take any type of um, physical sh- – I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he, he tried to punch the guy by any means. It was truly a – like he was going to like grab the guy. It wasn't a punch. It wasn't an assault. In my opinion, it was like, Hey, I'm going to grab you and like basically take you by the collar and be like, here's what I think. Um, I am the assistant coach that came in and kind of escalated. I thought it was over to be honest um, between um, I can't think of the Wisconsin coaches um, name to be honest maker. Um, And I thought it was over and it was going to move on. But then that one assistant coach came in and just kind of escalated things. And I was like, uh, he's, I'm not saying there's anyone to blame. I mean, um, coach Howard's probably the one to blame, but he didn't do any, anyone any favors by doing it. So, 
Um, I, I think it cooler heads could have prevailed, but that assistant coach just kind of came in and uh, took it to a different level in my mind. Yeah. So I'm I, Greg Gard, by the way, head coach. Thank of Wisconsin. you. Um, I didn't want to interrupt you. You were on a roll. Um, the, so I will take a side on this. Um, I don't care what happened. You don't ever take a swing like that at another coach or another player. There's zero tolerance for that. In my opinion, um, you're the head coach. You have to know better. And that's where, and, yep. and to me, the second that that happens, I don't care if 10 players on Wisconsin tried to escalate the situation. The moment you did that, it's all on you. Yep. And in my opinion, Juwan Howard should be suspended. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be suspended. He should be. Um, but no, zero tolerance for something like that. You ha- Here's the thing. And I, it's, it's interesting this came up because a week ago when Dan Muller had his last conference, his last radio show with Dick Ludke, um, when he, after he had gotten fired, he even brought up, you know, a moment when Greg Marshall did this to him, kind of like a, hey, screw you, buddy, moment. After uh, Wichita State was up big at home, he called a timeout with about 10 seconds to go and just basically stared at Dan Muller the whole time. And, you know, say what you will about Dan Muller, but he obviously didn't take a swing at him, just went through the line, moved on. That was it. Um, I'm sorry, Dan Howard. There's the, I, I have absolutely zero sympathy for whatever comes raining down on you for this. This was a – you're 100% in the wrong. I'm with you on that one. Like, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to defend you on how – I know you're not. All. It's just more of – um, hey, I kind of get it, to be honest. Um, but, hey, back to Dan Muller, and I'm really glad you correlated this. Um, I thought uh, Coach Muller had a great comment in that interview with with uh, Dick Ludke um, in his last season as the Illinois State Redbirds uh, um, announcer. Uh, he said, hey, don't put yourself in a position to be down 30 against a team yeah. um, and that they get that they call a timeout. So, you know, yeah. and so I was just like that. That is how you probably should have handled things, you know. Sure. So um, kudos um, on that one. I thought that was a really good story. I, and that was a good response on his part. And if you and I did see the interview after the game, Greg Gard called a timeout, he said, because he was about he had his all his reserves in there. His And this is his claim, by the way. So mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt, because who knows if this is just coach speak or what. But his claim was that he had his reserves in and he was worried about them getting it across the half court within the 10 second line. Mm-hmm. And it was that. about an eight second. And listen, I'm sorry, you're up by like I think they're up by like 20. So, yeah. I, that's a hard one for you to kind of justify as that being the reason, but um, nevertheless, like I said, I, I don't know if we're going to get, I'm going to get flack for this, but whatever. I don't care. The second that he took a swing, whether it was a swing or grab or whatever, the second that that happened, I th- I think anything that anything Wisconsin or any of the Wisconsin guys did was going to be secondary no matter what. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the, the, the players reacted as they would defending their coach, vice versa. So, uh, I mean, about this though. Go ahead. How long? How long do you sus- do you suspend a coach for this? Who that one's tough because you've seen everything from the rest of the season through the conference tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many games are left in the in the Big Ten uh, season, but I think four. you got to get. Yeah, I think you do the rest of the regular season and then uh, let him go for Big Ten tournament. Or yeah. and sorry, let him coach in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I know a lot of people say that he shouldn't coach again this year. Um, I'm a little bit more on your side. I think maybe uh, he doesn't coach again until conference tournament time, uh, which that's a team on the bubble in Michigan. So they're, that's yeah. going to that's gonna be tough for them. But, no, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I it's not like Jawan Howard's been a huge troublemaker. Like, you don't hear him no. in the news as someone who's um, – I mean, you can go all the way back to his time on the Fab Five, but, the, I mean, that's when he was a kid. So I'm not going to yeah. even – that isn't even worth mentioning. But, like, 
somebody who hasn't, you know, gotten in trouble. I think I think if he he comes out owns it, I mean, suspend him for the rest of the regular season and move on. Yep. And hope he learns from this. Agreed. Um, all right. Then kind of some news, some banter, some fun uh, reminiscing on Arch Badnesses and uh, trigger comments made at uh, Vance. So, hey, let's get in some real games here, Baker. Sounds good. All right, Valley fans, let's get into the games of February 19th. And we will start off at a 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central game. Um, when SIU went to the Holman Center and took home a W from the Sycamores, winning 76-72. to This was the third straight win for the Salukis. And the Salukis found themselves down five at half. Um, but it, the first half was all about three players on the court that exceeded 1,000 points for their career. That was, in order of the game, Lance Jones, Cooper Neese for Indiana State, and Marcus Damask for Southern Illinois. Um, really cool first half uh, for those three players. Um, we knew that kind of going into the game it could happen. Um, but, you know, it was really cool that it all happened in the first half. Um, but, yeah, back into the game. Um, in the first half, it was all about Caleb Stevens for Indiana State. He had 14 points in that first half, and Southern really didn't have a response for him. In the second half, a uh, 12-minute um, timeout, down three. The Salukis got fired up from their head coach, Brian Mullins. He came into the huddle um, and just fired him up. Um, it was it was really something to see just being there at the Holman Center, um, and that was the turning point for the Salukis. By the four-minute timeout, SIU was up one, but Cooper Neese hit a three to take the lead, uh, but then it was threes by Ben Coupet and Troy D'Amico to put the Salukis up, and it was foul and free throw time, and the Salukis held on. They tried to make it interesting and uh, give Indiana State an opening there with uh, under 30 seconds to go, but Cooper Neese missed a couple free throws, and the Salukis found themselves winning 76-72. to 72. Um, going on the road and getting a win, and they are solidified out of Thursday night and more likely than not going to be the six-seeded Arch Madness. Uh, Baker, this is my first time at Holman Center. It was a very cool venue there. Can we talk about the day? I mean, was there – was, yeah. did you guys do anything uh, – um, we'll talk about the game in a second, but anything like pregame, anything? Uh, yeah, check out did. Terre Haute. Was there anything cool? What did you guys end up doing? Yeah, with the time change coming from Central to Eastern, I had to get up real early to drive over to Terre Haute. Um, it was legitimately two roads, um, so it was a very boring drive. Um, you get on the interstate and you get on the highway, and then all of a sudden you're in Terre Haute um, but from where I live. Uh, but, yeah, we uh, went and got to Terre Haute a little lunch at, uh, I believe it's called Moggers. Um, thank you to people on Twitter who suggested that. It was a perfect spot close to the Holman Center. Just grab a bite, hang out with some uh, buddies and my dad that we met up with. And um, it was great atmosphere. Uh, Holman Center is very cool. The outside renovated, the inside renovated. Um, couple, There are a couple of negatives. Um, cell phone service was atrocious. Um, and it wasn't just me. I asked around to like SIU fans that I knew. I was like, does anyone have Verizon and doesn't have cell phone service? And everyone was like, yes, none of us have cell phone service. And I was like, okay. I was trying to tweet things. I was trying to keep the thousand points. Um, you know, updated. And I was like, well, guess I'm just going to enjoy this one and sit back and not worry about Twitter. <laughs> so um, that was my biggest uh, um, pain point there, which is going to keep me from keeping Holman Center up on the list of best venues in uh, the Missouri Valley. Um, it was pretty cool. Uh, they retired Jerry Newsom's 
number for Indiana State at halftime. He was number 41. Um, he basically the way I, I understand his contributions to Indiana State, he was um, he broke every record before Larry Bird. So Larry Bird came in and broke all of Jerry Newsom's records is how I understand it. Right. <laughs> and so fourth number uh, retired by Indiana State. Um, the only thing, another kind of, I'm not saying this is a negative, but, um, they do have a statue of Larry Bird outside of the Holman Center, rightfully so, right? Uh, much mm -hmm. like, you know, Doug Collins at, um, the Redbird Arena, but like inside the building, there's really no, like, I thought there might be like almost like a shrine essentially to Larry Bird. We could like read about the history, <laughs> you know, the national championship game. There was none of that. So I was, but, um, I was just surprised there was no, like, I don't know, like just stuff to read and like look at the history and like old jerseys and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, just with Larry Bird of who he is in college basketball, I just was somewhat surprised by that. It, it wasn't a negative by any means. It was just more of like I was looking for it. <laughs> and so um, that was one takeaway. Um, also, just as part of the game, um, the dog pound for Southern Illinois did travel and uh, that was pretty cool. I think they had 30 uh, students that made the trip from Carbondale, which is a little over three hours um to the event and it it felt uh, it felt like there was more SIU fans um than Indiana State fans at the game which was very cool that's awesome no I you know what listen I'm I mean I didn't love the fact that they were the loudest part at Redbird Arena when the when the dogs came and played the birds um but hats off to your student section for making a trip um because they're into the game too when they come which is awesome um, one thing I will say, I think you're, I think you're spot on with the whole Larry Bird thing. And I, when I went to Terre Haute, um, I never noticed that either. Like you would expect like, cause like if you go to Redbird arena, like you see, there's like a couple glass cases that are literally Doug Collins. Yeah. Like all Doug Collins stuff. And then, so like you would think to yourself, um, you know, Larry Bird, I always thought this was the weirdest thing was they named the court after, uh, John Wooden and not Larry. Yeah. Bird. I think that is like the biggest miss. Uh, it, it, that's just my opinion, but, um, uh, as for the game, uh, interesting game for the Salukis. They played kind of a small lineup, which was uh, – mm -hmm. I'm sure you I'm sure you could probably talk a little more about. But, um, you know, Indiana State plays that weird style. So, um, yep. it's kind of – it was kind of a, a must for them. But, to me, anytime you go to Terre Haute and get a win, I don't care how good or bad Indiana State is. That's a good win, especially for Southern Illinois, to get themselves back to, you know, that 500 mark, which, you know, we talked about it just the other day. was like, you know, that's just – where you were when you went to Redbird Arena um, a month ago, and to see yourself at eight and eight now, like you can't, mm -hmm. sit, you're, you're probably sitting back like, like that's a win for us. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I'm with you on the small lineup. Uh, Caleb Stevens just dominated us in the first half. We, you know, JD Mula kind of pulled, um, you know, uh, the trigger on him, and then Damas guarded him a little bit, and you know, he was scoring at will. It's, it felt like then we went a little small in the second half, and. We found just a rotation that, that went really well. Ben Coupet had a heck of a second half. I mean, he had, what, 12, 16 in the second half um, alone, and he just went off. He had four three-pointers in the second half, so he was a big piece of that. And I was really surprised with uh, Troy D'Amico. He sh came in the second half and shut down Caleb Stevens, who was, like I said, scoring at will. So hats off to the freshman there. Um, you know, I really like what I see out of the team, um, you know, coming into March, it's, this is how you want to be playing. We're on a three game winning streak. Yep. Um, things were dire early in the season. Um, dire is a strong word, but things were not going our way earlier on. And you know what? We're finding ways to win. 
Um, we're going on offensive stretches where it feels like we are scoring at will. Um, you know, still, still looking to put 40 minutes together at a consistent clip. But mm-hmm. this is a trajectory you want to be in heading into uh, Arch Madness. Yeah, and he had to come from behind a little bit in this game as well. So, um, no, hats off to Southern Illinois. Really big win. I, I do – the one thing I – and I'll leave you with this on this game is just um, – and, and I'll let you have the last word after this. But I think that this may have unlocked something with them. And this is just me thinking uh, you you would know better. Playing a small lineup. and. Yeah. Um, you know, when you get to Arch Madness, if maybe you do want to speed some teams up at times, and maybe this is kind of something you have in the back pocket if you're Brian Mullins to say, hey, you know, we can go small. Maybe we can go out there and maybe the mask is going to play our five. Yep. <laughs> I felt kind of like guilty. Like it was a fast paced game, and especially against Indiana State that we know loves a ton of possessions. I was like, something feels off. Why are we going so fast? <laughs> you know, it's yep. like you just felt like, uh, you felt like you were like cheating on something, like something was going wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it's a good point. I think it is uh, just a different look that we can bring to the table depending on the matchups. But enough about that. All it's always good to go on the road and get a win. Um, it, it was cool for me personally as a as a fan and podcaster just to get another experience. Um, thanks to Indiana State uh, for making that happen. And um, cell phone service aside. Everyone, every Missouri Valley fan should get the Holman Center on their bucket list for the Valley. Very cool facility outside. The campus is cool. Um, they've got a couple of restaurants or, or bars and restaurants that you can go check out. It's just that college town vibe. Um, so highly recommend going, getting that off your Missouri Valley bucket list. And let's go on to battle for Indiana. We have Valparaiso winning against the Evansville Aces, 72 to 56. Um, Kobe King filled the void um, of Thomas Kithier, who was a late scratch from starting. Uh, pretty cool story from uh, Paul Oren. Um, apparently, uh, they didn't know if Kithier was going to go. Um, and if you know this, if you're an official, um, you have to have your starters in the books 10 minutes before the game starts. And so um, from, from Paul's account, and shout out Paul Oren, who was on the show, and definitely go subscribe to his um, his new newsletter, but um, basically an assistant coach like was running up to this, the scorer's bench to get Kithier scratched right before the 10 minute expired um, or it would, the game would have started in a technical foul. Um, so that, it, I thought that was a pretty cool story from Paul to get that scoop. Um, you, you never really know how, the, how those things come about, but Hey, there you are. Um so Kobe King had 12 in the first half, and they were on their way to a route up 16 points, 39-23 at halftime. Uh, Evansville cut it to nine a few times, but that was close enough. Um, one thing to note here, Rudinger uh, got hurt early in the second half for Valpo, grabbing his ankle. Um, I, I don't know um, his status right now. I haven't seen anything on Twitter. Uh, but for the game, uh, Kobe King had 21. Uh, Taylor had 16. Uh, Cricky had 12 and Sheldon Edwards had 11. So they had four in double figures for Evansville. Uh, Shamar Givens had 21. Yeah. Um, really a, uh, it wasn't really close after once, once Valpo kind of went on that run kind of midway through the first half, it was over. Like it never really felt competitive after that. Um, you know, Givens, he's going to, he can score 20, 21 anytime he wants to. He had a pretty good game, but outside of that, um, pretty good balance attack from, from Valpo. And, um, you know, they showed, 
the thing about Valpo is consistency. And when they get it rolling and, and when they're healthy and getting it going, they're going to be a tough out. I mean, if you if you maybe peg them into, let's, let's just hypothetically say the seven seed in Arch Madness, you know, they're going to give the two seed problems at some point mm-hmm. in that game. And they're not, you know, when you have a, you know, who I think is a second team room, Ben Cricky, um, one of the best big men in the league. And they have a lot of really good guards, a lot of handy players is the way I look at it. And they're going to make make things hard for you. So, um, you know, is this the season they wanted? No. Um, are they, is, is all hope lost? No, I don't think so. I think they can go and I think they can make some noise in St. Louis. They're, they're one of the teams that I would say on Thursday have a real good shot at that. But, um, you know, Evansville just disappointing for me, uh, to see them lose this game. This was, uh, one of their more winnable games to toward the end of the season for them. Uh, couldn't get it done. Um, I know that you hear a lot of rumors out there. What's going on with lick lighter. We don't know anything yet, so we're not going to speculate because I don't think it's fair to them, but, um, you definitely heard a lot of rumblings of uh, there could be some changes in the works for Evansville, which um, we'll, we'll see. And, you know, if that gets announced, we'll definitely talk about it then. But, um, you know, nice win for Valpo. And, uh, yeah, uh, you can also – I will do, I do want to give a cheap plug to uh, to Paul Orn, uh, thevictorybell.substack.com is where you can find his, uh, his good coverage out there. Absolutely. Go check it out. Um, all right. Uh, I'm just going to say the score here. I'm going to turn it over to you here, Baker. But uh, Do you have to? Br- Bradley uh, split the uh, season series here, uh, 72-64, beating the Illinois State Redbirds in the war on 64 – or 74, sorry, not 64. 64 was a score of uh, the number of points Illinois State had. Um, the one thing I will say is if no one watched the hype video that Bradley put out, it was with Marcus Somerville. He uh, narrated oh just what it meant. Um, very cool video to check out. And I think Illinois State fans can appreciate it as well. So go check that out. And Baker, I'll turn it over to you uh, for game recap. Yeah, that video is fine. Uh, I'm not gonna... <laughs> No, I'm kidding. Whoever did it actually was – if I was a Bradley fan, I'd be probably pretty psyched. But I'm not a Bradley fan, so I wasn't. Um, you know, it was uh, – the birds fought hard. Um, you know, led – I mean, they were up 11 at one point. They, they kind of led the game for the mostly the first, the entire first half, pretty much. Um, even I think they were up at halftime by one, right? Yeah. Um, got in the second half, kind of Bradley went on there, kind of got things rolling a little bit more for them. Um, it was really tight. And then eventually Bradley kind of went on a run and it felt like the run almost came at the free throw line. Um, Leon's had, I, I want to say 12 for 12 for 12 from the free throw line. I don't have it in front of me. Sorry, but, um, he had a, it felt like he was just going to the free throw line every single time. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say cause I'm, a, it's hard to really, it's hard to really dive into the Illinois state X's nose. Um, the split, the, the kind of screen and roll that mass was running toward the end of the game, Illinois state had absolutely no answer for. Um, and it didn't feel like we adjusted enough to it. Um, I think that was a real big key to the game, but I mean, I'm, I advance, I have a hard time really really getting into, you know, really what's going through the IC yeah. players' heads. And it's, it's hard. It's it's a hard – I mean, your coach literally lost his job this week. Yeah. You have an, I, so, or you have an interim coach, and you're going on the road to play your rival. Um, like, listen, to me, the, the story is Bradley did enough to make sure they didn't lose, get swept by Illinois State. Uh, they kind of took care of business on their home floor. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's about all I can say. It's a kind of a hard yeah. – I, I know I'm kind of hedging here and kind of moving off ISU, not really wanting to talk about it, but I mean, what do no, I really fine. say? You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Yeah, just to clean up a little bit, uh, Leon, he was 12 of 12 from the free throw line okay, there, so there for 21 points. Uh, obviously, 12 of them coming from free throws. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you here. Um, maybe it's a matchup here. Uh, McChesney, um, you know, whenever he got the start, once Cy Chapman, you know, went out for the season with the injury, I think the newness is starting to wear off. Um, and you obviously have a coaching change, and there's a lot going on there. So I think that McChesney's not getting the, the production that you want out of him. Uh, he only had two points in that game for Illinois State. Um, so, th- you know, that's one thing that I've just kind of noticed of a lower production from him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm with you. You know, Bradley did enough. They didn't what they needed to do and uh, not drop one uh, as they're kind of rolling into St. Louis. Um, they they couldn't have lost, you know, another one. You know, they lost this... to Southern earlier in the week. You don't want to lose to Illinois State. Um, so I just think it, it helped Bradley keep that momentum that they need. Yeah, and you know, it was interesting to watch Bradley. Um, you could see a different defensive team coming out of the locker room at halftime. And they, it just felt like they would, when they wanted to, they kind of turned it up and they made it really hard on the guards for Illinois State to kind of penetrate into the lane. Um, I don't think, I don't think Antonio Reeves had a harder 20 points this year to get. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and that's, and that's a compliment to Bradley. Like, like yep. Antonio Reeves had to work so hard to get his 20. Um, but, and that's the thing. Like, you also, I don't want to hold anything against Bradley right now for this game because, like, let's be honest, you're playing your rival. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of you throw out the, as they say, the record, record books, <laughs> and you just play the game. And I think if you're Bradley, you're just like, hey, uh, we got through this one. We got the win. Um, we broke the streak because Illinois State had won three in a row going into that game. And I think mm-hmm. that they're just like, hey, now we're tunnel vision to St. Louis. Um, Illinois State obviously um, has three games coming up this week, which uh, after just losing your coach is going to be really hard. But um, I, I, I compliment the effort because – at the at the end of the day, as as a Redbird fan, I'm just proud proud of the guys keep fighting, um, and yep. I'll keep saying that till the end of the year. All right, speaking of record books, let's move on to the last game of Saturday, February nineteenth. Uh, Drake go. goes Drake goes on the road to the Genteel Arena and gets a road win, eighty three to seventy six. When we say records, this is the first time Drake has won in Genteel Arena. Um, they are prior to this. They were seven and zero in Missouri Valley, or sorry, zero and seven in Missouri Valley play, and then zero uh, and nine overall because they must have played twice before uh, Loyola joined the Valley. Um, this one was kind of an interesting one for me to follow because I was driving back for the first half, and then I had very spotty service and was watching it somewhat on my phone um as i was trying to figure out dinner plans uh once i get back to uh, the central Illinois area but anyway uh 7-0 start for drake and a 16 to 5 lead and they were and the bulldogs were ultimately leading 43 31 at half uh loyola went on a 10 to 1 run to cut it to six and they were down they found themselves down 48 to 42 but an 8-2 run by drake um got it to double digits and ultimately, that was uh, so pretty much the game there. Uh, Tucker DeVries um, had himself a night, 24 points. Garrett Sturts had 15. Um, Lucas Williamson uh, tied a career high at 27. And uh, per their release, despite getting knocked around all night. Um, and then also, uh, Uglock had 11 for Loyola. Yeah, wow, huge win for Drake. Uh, that's I think that's just the thing that starts starts this conversation. Uh, they came out firing, and this was this was a this was a Drake team that you know they weren't going to be denied. It felt like during this game. Um, I don't I, I don't really. This was a game Drake pretty much controlled the whole way, and this was the first 
I don't remember the last time this happened at Gentile. Um, and this was a, I don't know if it's a matchup thing because I feel like it felt like watching this game that Drake could match up very well with this team, with their athleticism, their good guard play. Um, they, the things that Loyola does to, to really make it hard on guards as you know, from a defensive standpoint, you know, Drake has a good veteran group that isn't going to, it's going to be harder to get them rattled. Does that make sense to you? It does. Um, okay. I think it is a matchup thing. Um, there was quite a few tweets uh, floating around of just uh, at the top four. I think all the teams yeah. know the matchups they want. Um, and yeah, I Drake sent out a tweet last night about that. And it was I sent out a tweet last night about that, and it was like each one of the five teams in the top five have ex- had, knows exactly who they want to play. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and and Drake knows which one they want, <laughs> and they want Loyola because this is the matchup I think that they feel comfortable with. Um, you know, hats off to them. They. They just DeVries. What can you say about DeVries? He's just, it feels like he's getting better and better every mm-hmm. single week. It just feels like he's getting better and better, and more comfortable playing against Valley teams. Um, this was just a, I mean, Drake just kind of beat him. There's really, yep. I don't really have a lot to say. I know, I know, and this is, this was a kind of a trend all weekend. There was kind of some inconsistent officiating. And I know a lot of people, if you go on Twitter, you'll see a lot of people complaining about the officiating this game. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was great, but I not in none of the Valley games this weekend the officiating decided it. Yeah, and it was not, I you. never felt like any of these teams had you know because I even I even told you about the ISU game you know they called a lot of fouls right away. None of these officiating issues or anything are deciding these games. It um, it, it feels think, like a, it's hard. It's I know and and I've been there before. You know and you and I have both been there before. You you sometimes you're watching it as a fan. And you, you, you see this, and you'll see it differently than another fan will. But um, kind of as a neutral watching this game, I thought, it was, I thought it was evenly distributed. I didn't think it was tilted at all. Yeah, I was surprised because um, we were talking and I was texting you because, um, one, I was just traveling, so I was listening to a lot of games. So uh, shout out Micah Admeyer, who's been on the show multiple times sure. uh, for Drake, Drake announcer. But, um, you know, I was, I was kind of texting you. And uh, I said, what was uh, the fishing like in the Illinois State game? And, you know, you were kind of telling me it was kind of touchy. And I'm telling you, the Indiana State Southern game, it was no blood, no foul. Like, I mean, I'm pulling up. So I like to keep a scorecard at a game. Um, In the first half, Southern shot one, maybe two free throws, uh, because I think you keep track of misses. And Indiana State had four free throws. And I mean, it was seriously no blood, no foul. And I was like, it was awesome. I mean, that's a, that Southern needs that. Yeah. You know, for Burton U. But, you know, it's, sure. it's just inconsistent. And you just never know what it's going to be like night in, night out. And that's tough for all yeah. of these teams. Yeah. No, I agree with you. And, and, and to your point about the, like, the ISU Bradley game, um, they called it pretty tight, especially in the second yeah. half. They, they called things really tight. And listen, I'm not going to be the one that's going to say that decide the game because it definitely didn't. Like Bradley beat ISU. That's that's the way it yeah. went. Um, and the same thing here with this Loyola and Drake game. You know, w- was there a call that didn't go your way a couple times? If you're a Loyola fan, sure. Was there calls that didn't go that didn't go Drake's way? Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. That's just kind of part of the deal. And um, you know, and, and and I think it's interesting to kind of t- let's talk about this for a second. As as someone who officiates yourself. Does it feel like officiating is more scrutinized than it ever has been? Or is it because I don't know if it's that officiating is worse than it ever has been or if it's just it is so much more under the microscope because people are paying attention to it much more. And if 
if you know there's a missed call or something happens, there's an immediate spot I can go tweet about it, or I can go send a text yep. to somebody about it. I think am, also, am I on the right track here? You're on the right track, and then like anyone can go grab like a GIF of it. You know what I mean? Like right. anyone can go to the ESPN three feed and grab the clip and tweet it out and be like, "Oh, I can't believe this this happened." Yep. So it just starts a narrative. Do I want it to get consistent? Yes, um, because like I said, it just from watching the second half of this mm-hmm. game versus what I saw at um, Southern Indiana State, I was like, there's a big divide here of yeah. what was allowed to happen. And so you just never know going into Arch sure. Madness. You know, they can change a lot of things. Um, How many times so, in Arch Madness games have we seen a, you know, and it usually happens to some of the post players and the big guys, get their second foul with, you know, before the 12-minute mark in the yeah, first half. Like, and that yeah. completely takes them out of the game. Yeah, and it's like so, this hasn't been called like this all all, right. all season, and mm-hmm. yeah. So does I, it feel? I, so you don't think it feels so? So from your perspective, you don't feel like it's worse by any stretch. It's just not consistent. Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. yes. Do I? Yeah, okay. I don't think it's worse at all. It's just more of inconsistent. Yeah. No, and you're. I think you brought an awesome point up about like grabbing a GIF online, or you know, even just like any kind of clip, because like. Go back to that Drake Illinois State game where there was those mm-hmm. fouls at the end of the game, and like you know, they zoomed in. And you can see clear foul, but yeah, like go if you want to go back through that game, there are plenty of missed calls that went Illinois State's way. Like yep. it sucks that we can look back at the most higher leverage situation. It didn't go ISU's way, which hey, I nobody wanted to see that happen more or less than me. So I, I mean, that is what it is. But um, like if you look at that totality of that game, like I don't. It didn't feel like, you know, it was one-sided by any stretch. It was just yep. – it stinks that the timing of some of these calls have happened. So, um, no, yep. I just saw that a lot of feedback from um, Loyola fans who were – and to me, getting back to Drake and Loyola, the referees had no bearing on the outcome of this game. The right. better team on Saturday night was Drake. Yes. And I think that it was a masterful coaching job by uh, Darren DeVries. Yes, I could agree more with that statement. So, um, but yeah, hats off to Drake keeping themselves in the hunt. All right, let's get into the last game of the weekend and the only game on Sunday, February 20th. It was on ESPNU. And you and I gets a big win, 95 to 75 over the Missouri State Bears um, at the McLeod Center. Um, and you know what? I don't have a lot with this game, Baker. It was over early i mean you and i had a 49 33 game i think the story here is um and it's a lack of a story uh from isaiah mosley um he only had six points and one assist i mean it's just a tough game for isaiah mosley um not obviously blaming the game on him because i mean hats off to northern iowa aj green had 21 noah carter had 17 uh bowen born off the bench um (laughs) At 17, I almost facetiously just said the freshman, uh, but oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, had 17. Um, so, I mean, you and I watch out. Ben Jacobson has his team playing well at the end of February. Please don't let Bowen Bourne be on all freshman team. <laughs> I'm not going to be kind. Back, that happens. back, to, back to the game. Back to the game. Baby. I know. I know. You got me off track there for a second. Uh, listen, Northern Iowa should shot the lights out. That's that's the story of this game. They almost shot 60% from the field, um, 13 to 28 from three. Uh, Missouri State on a lot of their on their really good day is going to have trouble beating that on the road yep. at 
Northern Iowa, that's a tough, tough building to win. Any Valley team. Yeah. I'm not going to, so I'm not going to get too hard on Missouri state from an overall perspective. This was a tough game for them. Um, Hats off to Northern Iowa came out, uh, punched them in the mouth, similar to Drake kind of came out and punched them in the mouth. And um, they were the better team on this day. Uh, They, they made the plays when they needed to. And, um, they didn't let Missouri State. You know, there was a couple little like, kind of four points in a row there, and Missouri State. Uh, you know, kind of, it felt like they were maybe going to make a run, and they never let them. They never let them. I think they got it back to maybe twelve, but uh, it was just a, you know, hats off, great, great win for Northern Iowa. Uh, interesting, you bring up Mosley. Um, not his best game, uh, and it's. You know, we talked about it, and, and I think this is something that's worth talking about, Vance. Um, we talked about it last, I think it was last podcast, where we said, you know, he's he's the front runner, clear front runner for player of the um, And this was the biggest game of the season for Missouri State. Uh, he didn't have a very good game at all. And does this take him out of the front runner position for you? Yes. Okay. And there's a couple of reasons. Um, one is I think we're pretty high on – uh, teams that win the Valley or the best team on the best team should be in that consideration, um, right, wrong, and different. But, I mean, he's trending the wrong way at the worst time of the season. So uh, against Indiana State, he had seven points. Uh, against you and I, I think he had six points. Um, I mean, he's just – he's not putting in the numbers. He was he was godlike at, at, for the last 15 games, right? But – if there's going to be multiple games separating Missouri state from the eventual Missouri Valley conference champion, and you have a, a player in, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, AJ green or Lucas Williamson that are putting up similar ish numbers and are the role player and the, um, the banner man for your team. I, it, it's hard for me to vote that way. So that's, it's interesting. And I, and to me, so before I, before I say my piece on this, it's a three. It's a three-man race. Are, are yes. we at least on the same page on that? Hundred percent. Okay. So here's how I have them right as of tonight. Um, my top three would be: I would still have Mosley my number one. I would have Lucas Williamson my number two, and I would have AJ Green my number three. I am under the mindset, and and whether you're right or wrong, you and I disagree on this. But I don't think I think it's just our own perspective. I don't necessarily want. I don't think it's you're rewarding the best player on the best team. I don't want to, I'm not worried about who's the highest scoring player on the best team or who, you know, is, you know, making the biggest impact on that team that wins the league. That doesn't do it for me. Um, the way I look at it is a, is your team successful? And for us would be top three or four in the league. If you're, if you're within the top three or four and you're within a game or two of first place, I think that that's a minimum. Once you get past that. And I think we have enough teams that you can make a case for, for that. Um, then I'm going to look at the players. And to me, the reason I, the reason that I have most, if you look at the scoring in the Missouri Valley conference between Mosley and AJ green, um, it's pretty even. There are 20 point something. Each of them are mm-hmm. in Missouri Valley conference play. Lucas Williamson, a little lower at 16. So scoring wise, it's kind of a wash between Lucas and AJ. If I'm sorry, Isaiah and AJ throughout the whole season, because you can't just look at the last couple of games. You got to look at the whole season. It's, mm-hmm. it's kind of a wash right there. If you look defensively and an impact on your team defensively, um, Lucas Williamson is clearly number one of the three. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's also clear that Isaiah Mosley is number two in that category. It's not close okay. between him and AJ Green defensively, and that's my difference. Because I feel like if you're if you're comparing AJ Green and Isaiah Mosley, it's a you're comparing you know it's kind of a wash offensively, and I would take the better defensive player. If it's between Lucas Williamson and Isaiah Mosley, I think it's a bigger disparity offensively than defensively between the two. Because I think Isaiah Mosley is an underrated defensive player. And that's just based on my own seeing him as an on-ball defender. I think he's a much better defender than he gets credit for. Um, so that's where I'm at with it. And I don't think and I don't think you can – like to me, if you want to sit here and say A.J. Green's player of the year, I – I think you can make that argument. I don't think that, you know, I don't think you could, somebody could just say, you're, well, you're wrong. I think that you can right. make that quality argument. Um, I'm just trying to talk through how I came to my conclusion between them uh, this year. And I guess between AJ and Lucas for my second spot was in, you know, Lucas Williamson, some of these high leverage moments, you know, maybe he's not scoring, but he's scoring in a lot of those high leverage moments. And it's like, do I take the elite defender or the elite offensive player? And to me, I think it would mean more to take Lucas Williamson off Loyola than it would be to take A.J. Green off of Northern Iowa. Okay, let me ask you it in a different way. Sure. So instead of asking you, Baker, who do you think should win? Sure. Who do you think will win? Does that change your answer? A.J. Green. (laughs) (laughs) And I think you knew where I was going with that. Yeah, Uh, no, I know exactly where you're going with this. I think A.J. Green is going to win it. Um, I don't think he should. I I, I stand by him being third. Um, and I, and where, where do you, so if, okay, let me flip it to you. So do you have a, if you had to decide it today, if you're casting your vote for first place vote for Missouri Valley conference player of the year, who is getting your vote today? Just, so that's the issue is I was like, I think I need the rest of the season because if I, I, you don't get the rest of the season, you don't get the rest. Of the I know. Season. Put, you on spot. Put you on spot, make a choice. Uh, I'm going Mosley. Okay. So you're still going Mosley as well. Yes. Okay, and do you um, think AJ Green wins this award? I do. Okay, see, and, because, and I, think, I think you and I are on the same page. We just got there differently. Uh, because I think, well, it all honestly, I think the award is going to get decided next Saturday when you and I plays Loyola, and whoever wins is going to win uh, the Larry Bird Player of the Year. Uh, that's. I think that outside of Isaiah Mosley having one of his crazy performances this week. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, mean, I think it's going to come down to if Lucas Williamson, <laughs> if Lucas Williamson shuts down AJ green and they win the league, they're going to give it to Lucas Williamson. If AJ green yep. goes off for 30 points on Lucas Williamson, he's going to get the, get the trophy. And I couldn't, and I'm not going to, and the thing is, I, and I think you and I probably agree on this. Like, let's say AJ green goes for 30 against Lucas Williamson, which I don't think is going to happen. I think Northern Iowa is, I think they don't not match up well with Loyola. We'll get into that in a minute. But say he goes for 30 against Williamson. Like, if they give it to him, I'm not going to be mad. Like, right. I earned it on the court. He had a great, great end of the season. Um, so it's, I think that's just kind of where I'm at. And I think you and I, we're, we're similar. We're, I think we're similar on, on where we're at with this. I think the best way to maybe summarize this is if any of those three get selected, you know, here in a couple of weeks, there's, I'm not going to go to. Tw- the outrage like i get it i think the argument is sound in any direction that just maybe whatever personally you think would happen i will go i will be vocal on twitter if all three are not on first team <laughs> yeah if some, if for some reason that doesn't happen 
then yes, that that would be egregious. But no, I, I you and I are not you and I are on the same page on this one. But um, back to the game, great win for Northern Iowa. Um, kind of puts them in the driver's seat. They control their destiny to win this league. Which, um, listen, Vance, at the start of the year, where um, I was as hard on Northern Iowa as anybody um, with the way they played in the non-conference. I think justifiably so. But um, you've got to give a lot of credit to Ben Jacobson. Um, he's got his team firing on all cylinders at the right time right now. Um, I know he had that bad loss a, a week ago at Loyola, but this was a huge game. And um, to walk away with a sweep of the Bears is pretty big. All right, Valley fans, let's get into the current conference standings. Going into the last week of the season, Baker, it's here. Everyone is looking for uh, Matt Hackman to update his scenarios as quickly as possible. Um, I see all the requests out there, and I love seeing and, um, just the probabilities out there. So it's the week for the Hackman. But let's see where the standings stand after uh, this weekend. So as of February 20th, Sunday night, we have one team in sole possession of first place, and that is Northern Iowa at 12 and four. We have Loyola, who has one less game at 11 and four. Missouri State's at 11 and five. Drake is at 10 and five. Bradley is at 10 and six. Then, kind of the next tier, we have Southern Illinois at eight and eight. And then we have four teams locked into Thursday night. Nothing will change from the front of the jersey will not change just the seed will change for these four teams Valparaiso five and ten Indiana State four and eleven Illinois State four and eleven and Evansville at two and thirteen any thoughts here Baker are you what lots of lot to play through this week uh it's gonna be I think the only team that's locked in is Evansville no actually I don't even think Evansville's locked in yet um wow yeah there's there's a there's a lot that's going to have to happen here in the next few days we know what day all of these teams are going to start their arch madness experience <laughs> that is all we know right now that is true and so is, is siu is siu locked in no you you could still finish thursday no we no, sorry yeah no, sorry all all 10 teams are locked in so, okay so they're all locked in. okay i just want to make sure i was clear on that i'm sorry I, you might have said that too and i just want to make sure I heard you right. So, okay. So the bottom four are locked in and then the top six are locked in. Correct. Okay, cool. We're good. Lots going to happen. Seeds are unknown. <laughs> Lots yes. going to oh, happen. Uh, correct. Correct. All right. Let's get into the games. Um, also important to note here, this is a funky week uh, with COVID protocols. This is a makeup week. So we have six teams that are going to essentially play. Um, what is that? Four games in potentially eight days, seven or eight days, depending on when uh, they played this past weekend. So it's a little bit of an interesting week because we have games starting on Monday, February 21st. We have three games, six teams in action. The first one, all at 7 o'clock. Sorry, all of them are at 7 o'clock. But the first one is going to be Loyola heading to RBA to face the Illinois State Redbirds. Baker, thoughts here? Yeah, um, it's going to be tough for Illinois State to win this game, I think. Um, this is a game that Loyola desperately needs to win. Uh, and I think they get it done. I think that they will beat Illinois state. Um, I would always, I would always preface this with, um, don't get too cocky going into Redbird arena, regardless of how good you are, because, um, Illinois is going to win a game for the end of the year. 
just I would hope that it, you wouldn't make it so it's not you. <laughs> so yeah. um, no, I think Loyola wins. Um, it'll probably be a little more uncomfortable than they want it to be, but they should be able to win by about ten or so. Uh, Evansville is. Do you have a pick on that for, game? Oh, sorry, I forgot about that. Um, yeah, Loyola. Um, for, you know, a little insight here. Uh, we both the Martial Arts Podcast plans to be at this game together uh, tomorrow right. evening. The, <laughs> hey, get to see get to see the Loyola Ramblers probably for the last time at RBA. Yep. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited to see Loyola in person. Um, all right, uh, Evansville heading to Valparaiso. They just played this past weekend. Um, I think Valparaiso is going to keep it rolling. I agree. I it would be very Valley though if Evansville won this game. But yes, I think Valparaiso will win. And then Indiana State is heading to the Nap Center to take on the Drake Bulldogs. Sneaky, interesting game here. Drake by a million. Um, I think Drake is. Ooh. I think Drake's going to win this game really big. I mean, I I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment. I don't think it's by a million. I think Indiana State's going to make it real interesting. Oh, you think it'll be closer than one million? Yes, I do. <laughs> no, I, th- I I'm kidding. Obviously, I think I do think Drake wins by double figures for sure, and um, really comfortably against Indiana State because I think that that if it's the same team that showed up in Chicago, this is going to be a tough run for the Sycamores. All right, Baker, maybe on the side, we'll talk about a little gentleman's bet uh, about that double-digit number. All right, let's move (laughs) on to Wednesday, the more traditional um, series where we have all teams in action on Wednesday, February 23rd. Northern Iowa is heading to the Holman Center to take on the Indiana State Sycamores. I think Northern Iowa will keep it rolling. Also, it starts getting into the narrative of Indiana State's played a lot of games in uh, little days. I think Northern Iowa is going to win this game, but going to the Holman Center is never easy. I think this game is going to be way closer than it should be. But, yes, I think Northern Iowa will find a way to get the win, which is all that matters for them. Valparaiso will be hosting the Drake Bulldogs at 6 p.m. Drake's had trouble when they've gone to Valparaiso the last few years. They've had, um, especially last year, I think, that that was their first loss was going to Valparaiso. So um, I do expect this game to be a little bit closer. Uh, but no, I think that Drake, um, I think they've had their, I think their hiccup of the season happened a week ago where they lost the three in a row. I think that they're going to roll through uh, Valparaiso in this game. Um, it'll be closer. I, I should rolling through is, it sounds bad, but um, I do think that Drake wins this game. Full disclosure, I think all my picks are going to be because I want chaos on Saturday. So I'll go with Drake um, over Valparaiso. There you go. Uh, Loyola will be hosting the Evansville Purple Aces. And um, shocker here, we're going to go with Loyola, and I'm just going to speak for you, Baker. Yep, Loyola, go. Bradley at Missouri State. Bradley. I think Bradley gets this win. I think they avenge the loss in Peoria of a game that, in my opinion, they gave away. But the only thing is, um, the only thing that gives me hesitation, I'm picking Bradley, and it's going to be crazy close. But... I do not think Isaiah Mosley has as bad a game as he did today, as he will. He'll, he's going to be ready to play for this game. I, I'm starting to get torn because some of these picks are just t- tying into who I want to play at the three seed because I'm pretty sure Southern's going to be the six seed. <laughs> I to don't want to see. I know, and I don't. Who do you think's going to win though? Um, I think Bradley will win. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, are you are right. you softening on your Missouri State stance? Oh, I'm off. I'm off my Missouri State. <laughs> You're already I'm gone. Done. 
<laughs> I'm sticking I with the you, Drake. Right to get back on it. I, I'm sticking I, with I, you, I Drake. I was, today was um, oh. yeah. Today was it for me. What a um, <laughs> All right, um, we don't need to pick this last game, but we can. Southern Illinois will be hosting the Illinois State Redbirds. Dogs are going to put a hurting on the birds. Yeah, I don't think the birds are going to have any trouble playing against uh, Southern Illinois. Um, give me Illinois State by 450. <laughs> I, I don't know if Southern can can beat a team more than, you know, but we're going to win. We're going to win. I just want to feel good this entire 40 minutes, Baker. That's that's what I'm You won't. For. You know that. You know that's not the case. Has, when's the last time? I've never. When is the last time in Illinois? Other Like, I don't count last year because, like, both games were weird blowouts, but, like, in normal seasons with fans, when's the last time that we've really had a lot of blowouts between Illinois State and Southern Illinois, especially since and, we've known each other? And this year specifically, I mean, Southern hasn't blown out or made it felt like we've controlled a game the entire 40 minutes. I was actually talking to, to a, um, a guy I met uh, that sat behind me at the Holman Center, SIU fan. I was like, I just want to sit back and enjoy a game. That's really – I don't want my, <laughs> my blood pressure to go up and down. I love the Slokies, but um, – and they're going to beat the brakes off your birds. Uh, no, they're anyway, not. No, they're not. And, 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 and you know that. You know they're not beating the brakes <laughs> off anybody. But, no, birds by uh, – I don't know, birds by 675. I'll take the under. Uh, so. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> All right, and we're – All right, Valley fans, um, as always, we appreciate the input on Twitter. Uh, before we started recording, I sent out a, a question. Hey, what questions do you have uh, for us to talk about? So let's dive into them, Baker. Um, these are all on the Twitter feed. Uh, so uh, listener Bugsy asked, is the 21-22 Evansville the worst Valley team um, of the 21st century? All right, so I did a little bit of uh, – This was I saw this question earlier. And I did a little bit of thinking about this and I'm just going to rattle off some teams that were really bad. Um, and then we'll answer that question. Um, 2000, 2001, Northern Iowa. That is the uh, pre McDermott days at Northern Iowa. They were dreadful that year. Um, the 0203 Illinois state Redbirds. That was a really rough time um, as well as 0506, kind of in that Tom Richardson, Porter Mosier years. It was, it was brutal. Um, the 0708 Wichita state shockers. That was Greg Marshall's first year. They were a train wreck. Actually, I don't know if you remember this at Arch Madness on Thursday night. I think he got yes. thrown out of that game. He got thrown out of the game, but he came out for the coaches' show after it, and all the fans stuck around to give him a standing ovation. It was really? wild. Yes. Hey, you know what? Hey, you started something big for them. But um, the 08 09 season, the Indiana State Sycamores and Missouri State Bears, not very good. That was actually uh, Kunzo Martin's uh, first season at Missouri State. Um, before as I think Kyle Weems was a freshman that year. Um, the Indiana State team that was right before Greg Lansing took over. Um, we also went to the uh, 2011 2012 Bradley Braves, um, and then the 14 15 Bradley Braves as well. That's kind of that Geno Ford mix. Um, it was a train wreck in Peoria during his time. So I no, go. Do you want to say something, or can I keep finish? Let me finish. Yeah, keep. Yeah, um, you finish. 14 15 Southern Illinois is on this list. That was a brutal roster. You would know it very well. Um, you did win an Arch Madness game, but um, you beat my Redbirds in the 8-9 matchup where both teams were incredibly dreadful. Um, <laughs> the 15-16 Drake Bulldogs was also really, really bad. That was actually Reed Timmer. I think it was his freshman year. If, if Valley fans out there remember Reed Timmer. Um, 
those that team was really bad. And then my final two here are the 1920 Evansville Purple Aces, which went 0 and 18, and the 2122 Evansville Purple Aces, uh, which are the current team. Vance, who do you okay. think the worst team is in, in the 20th century? So I went a different route, and I honestly did I miss pulled, anybody? Did I miss anybody? Um, kind of, but probably not. Um, I'm okay. just gonna go down a different route here. Uh, sure. I think you have to take into consideration teams that go 0 and 18. So in the 18 game format, we've had three teams that went 0 and 18. Uh, the aforementioned 1920 Evansville Aces. I think you can make a case for a lot happened in that season um, for that to happen. So uh, maybe not the worst team, but the result was atrocious. Right. And then also we've got back-to-back years of 0 and 18 ness That is the 97-98 Drake Bulldogs and uh, the 96-97 Drake Bulldogs. So that's the route I went down is you got to consider a team that didn't win a conference game. You got to put them at the, at the bottom of the barrel. I think for me, it's going to be the 14-15 Bradley Braves. Okay. Um, and if I'm – give me a – I'm – and the reason I say this is that team – they were bad, dude. Um, this would have been the uh, Warren Jones-led Bradley Braves, uh, if you remember okay. Warren. Um, this If you go back and look at this roster, really terrible – um, nine and 24 under Geno Ford, three and 15, the Missouri Valley conference. Um, they played in, I don't know if, do you remember the arch madness that they played in, um, against Drake that year in the Thursday night game? I believe it was like the longest game of his in the world. Um, <laughs> they went to, I think they either went to one or two overtimes. It was the final score was 52 to 50. Um, and I just remember how dreadful of a game that was because both teams stunk, but that Bradley team in particular was just, it was awful. Um, I believe that was the last season of Geno Ford. So um, to put some perspective around that team, but um, that's going to be my choice for worst team uh, in the 21st century. All right. uh, Let's go a little quicker through these. So um, would love to have a segment of what you guys think the brand of each Valley men's basketball team and is why. Um, So brand, I think that's very interesting that we can probably dive deeper into, but let's have some quick reactions here. Baker, I've got three that I think are solid, and I have two tweeners. Um, so I didn't do every all 10 teams. Maybe let's, you know, put some research into that in a future episode. But the sure. three that I went for are that are solid brands. So Indiana State, the brand is Larry Bird. Like that is when you think Indiana State, it's Larry Bird. That's what you think of. Sure. Loyola, when you say Loyola, you think Sister Jean. 100%. Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. That's that's the brand. I think it's and then awesome. The, thir- the third one I had was um, Southern Illinois. I went with Florburn U. Uh, maybe not so much in the you know um, in the Henson area, but we're back to it. And then also the Lowry area. I think it's well documented. Florburn U, uh, synonymous. That's a that's a that's a word that you can a- associate with Southern Illinois. Um, the other two that I had as kind of they're trying is. Um, uh drake i have des moines hometown team i think they're really leaning into the des moines thing and mm-hmm. i think that's good um so i think that's kind of a brand that they're trying to get behind can i throw a different one out for drake sure yeah hard hat you so that's gonna be whenever garrett starts leaves i think once he's gone you think that's that gonna leaves, go away you think that leaves with him yes i do 
Oh, okay. Well, so that's why that's, that's why I went. Against <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Whatever. I thought I thought that I thought through that one, but I'm just gonna go with like the whole leaning into the Des Moines thing. Their jerseys with the city skyline. I totally love fair. it. Um, that's why I went with that one. And then the the one that I think is the biggest missed branding opportunity, and um, I, I'm just so mad at this team, and we bring it up all the time is Evansville. Their brand is the sleeves. Bring them back. Oh yeah, no, that's actually that's an awesome one to to go with. Um, yep, man, I think you nailed them. Um, I have a really hard time. Gosh, I have a hard time with like Illinois State's brand. Yeah, that, and that's Doug, why, like, I thought like, like Doug Collins comes to mind, but like, I don't know if that's the brand right now. Um, yeah, that's a hard and like even like Bradley and some of those other teams. I think you nailed it. Um, so far with some of these teams. Um. Yeah, no. It's something we can think on, and maybe yeah, we can revisit it later on. But that was just kind of I thought on all. And, and listeners, like, if 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 we missed one, let us know because I'd love yep. to hear from from some of you if you think, hey, you know, there's this team's has this brand. So, yep. no, great all question right. though. Uh, that was from. Uh, sorry, I, I didn't shout this person out. Uh, thank you, Dr. Chris Bowser. Appreciate you. Awesome uh, question, Doc. Um, next question, and you know what? I'm just going to ask you to pick. Um, Who's going to be the number one seed in Arch Madness? Um, this comes from uh, listener Andrew Scheel. Um, What do you think the standings will be at the end of next Sunday? I just think there's too many games with the Monday games that we can do this as we're recording. But um, who's going to be the number one, number one seed at Arch Madness? Loyola. Ooh, okay. I, I, I feel very strongly about that. So you think Loyola is going to beat you and I? Next, I think Loyola is going to go three and zero this week okay. because they play two teams that they should have no trouble with, and uh, Northern uh, Loyola is a horrible matchup for Northern Iowa. Okay, um, I'm going to go. I'm just going to take the uh, the opposite and go with Northern Iowa for the sake that they have to play three games and um, that I, many. Can I put days. you on the spot? Who's the two sure. seed? Oh, I don't know the tiebreakers. Um, okay. Well, no. I, I don't know. I, I'm going to say Loyola, but I don't know if Missouri or uh, Drake would have like a tiebreaker over them. So, yeah, that one's tough just because I don't know tiebreakers. Off the I think this is going to come down to a tiebreaker between Bradley, Drake, and Northern Iowa. Yeah, I just don't know off the top of my head. So, but I think um, actually, I no, I checked that. You know what? I take that back. Northern Iowa will be the two seed. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to go with. Yeah. It's going to be. Because I think Drake and Drake and Bradley are going to try to catch them, um, and they're going to have big weeks. But I would, I'm going to lean, lean Northern Iowa will be the two seed. But yeah, we'll get right. into that Northern Iowa Loyola game later because I think that that's an interesting one. Uh, appreciate this question from uh, Wes Johnson that came in. Uh, shout out Wes, good seeing you the other weekend. Um, what Thursday team will make the deepest run at Arch Madness, if any of them? So basically, I'm going to phrase it a different way. Is there a Thursday team that can knock off a one or two seed? No. <laughs> if there was, who would it be? Valpo. Ooh, and that's if they're State. 100%. I was going to say Indiana State, and if they can just shoot the lights out. Hold on. You know, I'll tell you what. Let's wait I think you could. One. You can. I'll, I'm going to leave you with this. I think you can make a case that all four of the Thursday teams could beat a one or a two. No chance. I think you can make a strong case that if 
if things fall like if Baker, you, Evans like, Hill hasn't won two games in the Valley season yet yes, alone they have. two they have two they have two okay sorry Back to there's no way Evansville can win back to back games. You don't think if Evansville plays against, if say the two seed is like Missouri State or Northern Iowa, you don't think Evansville could Shamar Givens to just go off and AJ Green just has a terrible shooting day? Like, I, I would you be shocked if Antonio Reeves puts up a 40 spot? Like, it, I'm not saying it's likely, I'm just saying that to say it's impossible that any of these teams are going to win it be would be foolish because, like, it'd be stupid to say could, could Indiana State. Just absolutely run up and down on a Loyola. No, that's who I. That, I think of the four, I'm going to pick Indiana State. Okay, I, I go with Valpo, even though they've been inconsistent. Their top to bottom, the roster is the most. If they're healthy, it's the t- most talented roster. And I'm sorry, Baker, I forgot that Evansville uh, had a second win because I kind of blocked out the Illinois State one. To be honest, well, on your behalf, I did that for you, Baker. Thanks, fans. Um. Anyway. <laughs> Um, after the Indiana State game, does Troy D'Amico fit into the all-freshman conversation a bit more? Um, I can take this one because uh, he plays for Southern. Uh, sure. I think we talked at length with um, Tony, Baker, and myself. The all-freshman team is full of dart um, outside of Tucker DeVries. You know, if, if a freshman gets hot in the last three games, yeah, you can make a case for anyone that has that's making significant contributions. Uh, but – as a Southern fan, I am ecstatic of what I'm seeing out of Troy D'Amico. Yeah, I mean, I I guess he's in the mix. I I, w- I still wouldn't have him on the team, but if he was on it, I don't think anyone's freaking out. Yes, after, after the first two, it's 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 a hodgepodge. Uh, this is a good one. This has come up in a lot of circles. Do you think Loyola still has a good shot in the at-large bid? Yes, I do. Um, I'm actually I threw this out when there was a lot of. Uh, uh, Loyola Twitter was was kind of in the mud and not real happy with everybody and it just just kind of in a downer moment and I said you know listen win these next three games get to 14 and four and then get to Saturday in St. Louis and the team you lose to won't be as long as the team you lose to is a competitive really good team you're going to finish the season probably at what I think it ends up being like 25 and seven and 14 mm-hmm. four in the league uh, you've got enough decent wins and not bad losses, which Drake this past weekend will be your worst loss, which is not a bad loss. Um, so I still think that if you do all that, you are on the bubble at a minimum, and I still think you're in, um, contrary to what a lot of people think around the Valley. And and I know somebody brought up, um, an Illinois State fan brought up uh, comparisons to the 17-1 Illinois State team. That 17-1 Illinois State team had two horrendous losses this Loyola team does not have that so there's like there's your big difference I I do you do you agree with that or do you think I'm I'm off no I think it's all they have to win the valley they have to get the brand recognition of as the conference champion um or share it whatever yeah, um, yeah. and, and so if they went out think, they will and if they went out they will yep. so I think that's the the biggest piece and sorry I sure. should have shout out this person this was hey it's Mike LOL and then the, the Troy D'Amico question was from Blake Morrison. Appreciate that, um, everyone. Um, let's go to Jonathan uh, Michael, if I am not mistaken. This is one of the beat writers for the Bradley Scout student newspaper. Hey, thanks for sending this question in. Uh, which top three team is most likely to make a surprise Friday exit? I think this ties into kind of the question we said of uh, which Thursday team could make a run. But uh, kind of different flavor there. So thank you, Jonathan, for this one. Um, Baker, who do you think it could be? Missouri State. 
I think it's, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's pretty obvious. I think that's, I, and I, and I took that to the top four or top five, by the way, of the top okay. five, I think the team that I have the least amount of confidence in right now is Missouri state. And it's for me, it's their inconsistency. And I think all the other teams are just a little bit more consistent. Do you have, do you, maybe I'm being too harsh, but I just, can't see them winning three in three days and i don't know if it just hit me today but like i there was a time at a time i was thinking to myself like this is the team that no one wants to play because they kind of have different matchup you know they match up differently with different teams but like today it kind of hit me it's like i i just think that the other four teams are so much more talented that this is going to be a hard hard one to to fight for here yeah, as someone who has a Missouri State future on winning the Valley, um, couldn't agree more with that one. Um, and so <laughs> where it goes for me is the reason – but for me at the 3-6, because I'm assuming Southern is going to be the sixth seed, the team I don't want to see is Missouri State because they're going to be good for one game. I'd rather have them on the second night because they're, they're consistency issues. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Um, it's it's yeah. going to be interesting to see what happens. It's cool. a, a great question, by the way. Yep. Thank you for that, Jonathan. Uh, let's move on to Mike Lozak. What team has the best chance of being an Arch Madness Cinderella story? Arch Madness Cinderella story. Uh, I think the Southern Illinois Salukis are actually that Cinderella story. Um, because I think that if you do play, say, a Missouri, you, I, I don't think there's a team in the top five, even though you haven't really done it. I think you can beat any team in the top five. In a one-game scenario, if you defend like crazy, who who's to say you can't get to Sunday? I don't think it's I love, impossible. I love where your head's at, and you know, let's just call Cinderella story anything six and below, maybe. Um, who, who do you have? I think it's a good one. Um, I, I I can't take that one because it's a Homer pick. Um. I don't know. I, I keep you thinking re- Indiana. You could return the sentiment and pick Illinois State. <laughs> um, Central <laughs> Illinois team, Bloomington normal team, get rallies yeah. behind coach that moves on, ready to show the new coach what's going hey, on. Hey, don't let him get hot. Don't let him get hot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just move on to the next one. Um, and I'm actually going to table this next question, but I do want to shout you out, Crampton. Um, good. Uh, thanks for all the interactions on Twitter. Uh, what do you think the conference tournament format will be next year with 12 teams? Um, I, we're going to table that one uh, just for the sake of we're going to dive deep into what the Valley is going to look like in the future and just don't want to hold up some of the, the current year conversation there. But I really appreciate the question. Um, let's move on to BRF1. Who would you like to see win the regular season and who do you think will win the regular season? Um, I will take this one. Of course, I want to see the Salukis win. But uh, let's just say of all of the um, the teams left, I, I'm going to go with Northern Iowa for both. Who do I want to see and who do I think will win? I win it because that would be insanely chaotic, but I think Loyola is going to win it. Good. Um, and... Question from the one and only Tony Segetti. Uh, which potential championship matchup in St. Louis would be the most exciting to watch? That's a great question. What would be the most exciting matchup to watch? Um, I'm, I got it. I, I think I got it. Northern Ooh, Iowa Drake. Yeah. 
Oof, that is a good one. Um, Iowa versus Iowa overtime games this season, both games. Um, the team that shouldn't have won each game won the game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I would almost say Loyola Drake. And and you say Loyola Drake? Okay. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you? Can I tell you one that I think would be a sneaky good one as well? Go because ahead. I. As much as I dislike the fan base, I think that they have an incredibly passionate fan base. Uh, a Loyola versus Bradley final <laughs> that would be great too. <laughs> would would be pretty darn tasty. So um, yeah, yeah. The, there's, I mean, any of these matchups are going to be awesome. I mean, he, uh, we're we're not even talking about Missouri State and a Gage Prim and Isaiah Mosley in the finals on CBS playing for an Arch Madness title. <laughs> Who's not signing up for that either? So that's a great question, though. I mean, that's the thing about these five teams. I think as long as we get two of the five, we're going to be happy. Um, I couldn't agree more, uh, but I, I'm with you. The Iowa battle would be great. Um, I just uh, – the Loyola, and especially if they happen to lose, um, just there's – there's yeah, it'd be, a, it'd be an interesting one. Um, it is going to be – it is going to be interesting with the, the fan interaction. And, um, you know, you, you see kind of a sensitivity to, to from the, you know, some of the coaches even at Loyal and, you know, some of the fans yep. of, of I, Missouri Valley fans are against you. And, I mean, what do you expect? Uh, I mean, I'm, yeah, if we're I'm just being of, honest about it. Like, I, I mean, I, I after, definitely tiptoed it there. I was tiptoeing it. Thank you for pushing me over on that one. That is no, what no, I'm I, very much interested in. I think that's going to be the most interesting storyline of this weekend because um, there will not be a game. Like Loyola will be playing three road games. Like these are going to be true road games every single time they're playing because the entire fan base of every other team in that building is going to be rooting against them. And um, I mean, listen, I we've been on this podcast this whole time. I think we've been fair to Loyola even after we left, they left. Like, I mean, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but I mean, I think it sucked when they left. I don't want them to go anywhere. Couldn't agree I more. want them to stay in the Valley. But um, you know, I think we took the approach of, hey, until their until their season ends, they are still a part of the valley. They still represent the league, so we're going to support them in any way we can. Couldn't um, agree more. And then once I and want you know them. what once once the once they are done in the NCAA tournament, hopefully that's where they get to. I hope they make it. Um, once they get done with that, then then they're done for us. But until then, I'm going to continue to support them. I'm not going to go hater mode. I haven't I haven't done it yet, and I don't think I'm going to get there yet. So, but I do believe that at Arch Madness. Uh, it will be an incredibly hostile environment for all three of their games if they do make it to Sunday. The way that I think about it is they still have the Valley patch on their jersey. That's um, it. That's just it. And, yep. and, and look at like guys like Lucas Williamson and, and uh, Braden Norris, guys like that. They've been in the league for a few years. And like Tate Hall's been in the league for a while. These are Valley guys. Like whether yep. you're upset or happy about them leaving the Valley. And listen, if you're a fan of like Southern Illinois or Indiana State, and you see them leaving, and you gotta, and you're negative to them. You're fair. That's fair. It's understandable, and you're you're totally in your right to do so. But I guess for me, and and I think I speak for you as well. Then, you know, until they're out of the valley, they are still a part of the valley, and they still represent couldn't, all of us. So, um, couldn't but, agree more. Yes, Don't take it out on the student athletes. We are we are definitely not. We are not in the majority on that one, though. I don't think that that's the case. <laughs> I don't think so. And the last one, and it is going to be quick fire here, Baker. So I will miss Loyola Twitter, by the way. <laughs> um, all right, last one, quick fire. Thank you, Sam Donis, for this uh, questions. 
Um, we're gonna say I'm gonna save the first one for last. How many students will turn out for respective Valley teams? And maybe I'll I'll turn that one off. Which school will bring the most students? You know what? I'm gonna say Southern Illinois because it's not a long drive, and you guys have proven that you're gonna travel. All right. Um, I would agree with that. I think Northern Iowa could uh, have a decent contingent, um, especially if they win the league. Um, so the next one here, uh, which team will have the largest crowd? Ooh, uh, I think that's where you go to Northern Iowa. Um, okay. Especially when they're good and in the in historically when Northern Iowa is good, you always see that sea of purple kind of in that corner. They always put them kind of in the corner, like the middle to corner, and it's mm. always that sea of purple. And um, you know, say what you will about Northern Iowa, their fans will travel. They're very passionate about their team. So, um, yeah, I think they're gonna have they're gonna show out for sure. I haven't looked ahead, but I don't know where the A10 tournament is next year, um, but. I could see that if if Loyola loses Saturday, I think their at-large hopes are not. I'm going to say dashed, but limited. I could see Loyola getting behind the Ramblers, and so I could see them making having a good turnout in St. Louis. I think you're right. I think that that'll be, and especially where last time in the Valley, some of those Rambler fans mm-hmm. are going to want to show up. And and listen, give them credit. Uh, those scarves have been everywhere at Archman's last few years. Um, they've showed out in a big way for their team. So, um, and, and the, you know what? The one thing, crazy thing is, like all the Loyola fans we've ever interacted with have been awesome. I, oh, I've yeah. had great interactions with Loyola fans. They've been super fantastic to us. So, um, and I don't doubt for one minute that there's going to be a lot of people there. I do think this is going to be a real, I think that Arch Madness, we're looking for some great crowds. Couldn't agree more. Um, and then I just looked it up. Uh, A10 tournament next year will be in Brooklyn. Um, so that is a long drive for uh, and flight for Chicago people. Uh, let's we're gonna keep rolling here. Will Rambler fans throw their scarves away if they don't win Arch? No, that is their brand. Other than Sister Jean, um, will this is an interesting one? Will Coach Glicklider announce his resignation Thursday night at the press conference? Uh, it's a great question. I don't know what's gonna happen with Coach Glicklider. Uh, I we mentioned earlier, uh, and and it's it's. We're not gonna we're not gonna dance around it because obviously people read the rumors out there about him stepping down. Um, but until it happens, I'm not gonna comment on it, um, especially because you know we we you and I even got the chance to meet Coach Licklider at Arch Madness yep. a couple of years ago. He was super nice to both of us, so um, I'm not gonna say anything bad. I, I if this is the, the direction that they go in, um, definitely we'll have an opinion and definitely have some thoughts on it. Um, but I want to table that until we have to. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Next. I know it's a hedge, one. but I don't want to do that to him. Yep. Uh, kind of. We're taking the stance that we don't talk about another man's job. Um, and then uh, will Southern finally make it to Sunday? I'm gonna. I hope. Nope. Yeah. All right. And the last one: How many beers will be consumed? <laughs> Depends if Southern goes home on Saturday or on <laughs> on Friday. So, do you think it's gonna go up? <laughs> they do. Go- I think it's going to go up either way. <laughs> uh, thank you for the question. Dangerous. Yeah, great questions. That is a uh, weird uh, thing. The 830 game for Southern Illinois. Whew. That's a long day, Baker. <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. As always, thank you so much for the questions. Uh, please keep them coming. Uh, it makes this podcast so much more fun. Yes, thank you guys after. very much. And there's a lot of really good ones on there. So thank you. 
Yeah. All right, let's close up shop. This has been episode 28. We covered the games of this past weekend, February 19th and 20th in the last week of Arch Madness before it is upon us and everyone is going to flood to St. Louis to cheer on their respective teams. For this last week, Baker, where can people find us? Yeah, you guys can find us on Twitter at March Arch Pod, at March Arch Baker. MarchArchPodcast.com is our website. Uh, March Arch Mailbag is where you guys can send us your thoughts on what we let us know what you guys think on this podcast. You know, where do you have for player of the year? Um, what are your thoughts going around the valley for all the different subjects that we talked about on this podcast? Um, you know, looking forward to a great week. We're going to be back on uh, Thursday, right, Vance? I think we're coming back. Sure. Here. I think we're going to do a show on Thursday. Sounds right. Um, we've got some really cool stuff planned for you guys. Um, we're we're kind of getting things uh, set up for our uh, preview of Arch Madness, which is always one of our bigger shows. So um, that will not change this year. We're going to have an awesome show and a good lineup for everyone's travels down to St. Louis. But uh, until then, uh, enjoy interacting with y'all, and uh, hopefully it continues this week. And with that, go Valley! Start talking about the Valley. Why not?